With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, Nick Burnett here. Just wanted to kind of give some information on why I joined the Patreon, why I'm part of the Dynasty Warzone uh, team. Downloaded the Dynasty Warzone podcast. It took one day. Joined the Patreon. Reached out to Memphis about a situation with one of my rosters. And the kind of feedback I got was, hey Nick, why don't you give me a call? Uh, We went down my roster and he helped me pull off a couple moves that put me ahead when I thought I was going to be in rebuild mode this year and that's just part of what comes with the patreon Uh, just uh, trade talks just good interaction with guys that love fantasy football Uh, whether it's 10 o'clock at night or three o'clock in the morning there's always going to be fantasy football talk whether it's redraft whether it's dynasty i joined a couple leagues with the patreon members and it's the same thing even in even while we're drafting we're still shooting ideas at each other and if that sounds like something that you want to be a part of pause the podcast now join the patreon and join uh join a great fantasy football group but more like a fantasy football family what's happening everybody happy monday and welcome to the rookie rundown a division of the dwz football network i am your host memphis you can follow me on twitter at dwz memphis and tonight's guest is andrew erickson of pro football focus you can find andrew on twitter at andrew erickson underscore he is going to be jumping on with us he's going to be allowing me and my co-host dallas that is dallas Hyder. You can follow him on Twitter at Salad Galore. That is Dallas spelled backwards, S-A-L-L-A-D, Salad Galore on Twitter. And Andrew was kind enough to let Dallas and myself pepper him with a bunch of questions about this rookie class, very similar to what we did last week with Shane Hallam. So I hope that you enjoy what we're bringing to you from a rookie standpoint. And Shane and Andrew are just two of the guests that we have lined up for you. We are booked literally through about the 1st of April right now, and I'll keep booking more. Speaking of more, could totally use more of those five-star reviews. Just wherever you're listening to this podcast, man, hit pause. See, Seriously, just hit pause right now. Go in, leave us that review, and tell us how we can, uh, can do it better. Because this show can't grow if you don't go. If you don't go and leave us a review, we don't know what you want to hear. I'm keeping this intro short because a reviewer told us to keep the intro short. I fixed my mic because a reviewer told me my mic was bad. We need your input. We want to make this continue to be the people's podcast and five-star reviews is how you do it along with heading over to YouTube and subscribing with them notifications turned on. Now, normally I would read a review, but we haven't had any new ones since last Wednesday. So I can't read them. If you don't write them, help your dude out. We're trying to get to 300 reviews and 500 YouTube subscribers 
by week one of the NFL season, and you can totally be part of that. All right, so most recently on Friday, I did a podcast where I broke down the Carson Wentz trade. I took a look at it from the Colts side. I took a look at it from the Eagles side, and I gave you some dynasty stock up, stock down, and some neutrals. You'll want to check that out in the podcast archives. And then last Tuesday uh, on the FF Smackdown, I jumped on with Kyle and Jake, and we, we talked about the, the head coaching class. And then last Thursday, I did the Dynasty Happy Hour Contractor. Now you have to head over to the Dynasty Happy Hour Contractor feed, and that's where we're building rosters. It's the most how-to interactive show from a Dynasty standpoint on podcast. So if you want to you want to get hooked up there, you just got to follow the show at Dynasty Warzone on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you're not on social media, that's totally cool. Send me an email. That's how this week's upcoming guest, Jared, got back on for his follow-up. He didn't go to social media. He sent me an email, dynastywarzone at gmail.com. And uh, we got him hooked up. And then make sure to be back here tomorrow night on YouTube or Tuesday in podcast when my boys at the FF Smackdown are here giving you their own unique spin on the world of redraft fantasy football. That's with our boys, Kyle and Jake, over at the FF Smackdown. Check them out. So here we go. I'm going to let you hear a quick word from our sponsor, Hate Brand Goods. You know that's my man, Matt. He is a two-time Highland Games world champion and uh, thehate.com. And if you stick around to the very end of the show, there will be a little bit longer, I guess a longer explanation of what the brand is, kind of how it uh, kind of how it came about. So I don't want to hit you guys with too many commercials, but if you want to head over to thehviii.com and just check out the athletic wear. And you know, you'll see me rocking it on my personal Instagram. I posted some pictures on my fleets on Twitter over the weekend. I truly wear this brand. I wear it to the gym every single day. Uh, I think it's incredibly comfortable, and it's a very good performance brand. So I mix it in with my Nike, my Adidas, uh, sometimes my Under Armour, what have you. But my shorts, my bottoms are always hate brand goods. So head over to thehviii.com and use promo code MEMPHIS if you see something you like, and that'll save you a couple of bucks. So here you go. You're going to hear some words from Matt. Then I'm going to grab Dallas and Andrew. We're going to talk rookies, and then... Stick around at the end. Once you get past the uh, end credits, if you will, there will be some bonus Easter eggs on there. One, again, from Matt at Hate Brand Goods and one from RJ Bell of Straight Out of Vegas. Thank you guys for tuning in. Happy Monday. We'll see you again this week. And thank you so much. It's Hate Brand Goods. That's uh, my company. That is what we've started. I hope you guys have checked it out. If you want to go over to thehate.com, hate for me means it's about self-improvement. It's this self-motivation through self-loathing, this this bit of loathing of not tolerating your own bullshit, that little voice that says today's good enough or what we did's fine or no one's going to know that I'm taking today off. Like, fuck all that, man. I know. Like, I hold that standard. I'm accountable to me. And that's it. That's why I chase goals. I do it because of me. I don't do it because of what someone else is going to think of it or what someone else's approval is. And it's about holding yourself to that. The rest of that motivation can fade, but as long as you're in control of being able to make you do the shit you want to do, you're golden, man. So head over to thehate.com, use code and save yourself some cash. 
All right, and here he is, as promised. You know him from Pro Football Focus. I just know him from Twitter and being an all-around good dude. His name is Andrew Erickson. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. Andrew, man, welcome to the Dynasty War Zones, the Rookie Rundown. How are you tonight? I am thrilled to be here. I'm excited. Again, we talked, you know, before the show. It is it's it's Sunday Fun Day. Here we go. There's no football on, but this is the action. This is we're we're filling in. For the entertainment, no Sunday night football, just three dudes talking games. So absolutely, you know, I'm 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 excited to be here for sure. Well, I, I I'm I'm hoping it was in honor of your your maiden voyage here in the show. I saw that you recently. I don't think it was actually you. I think it was your friends at Pro Football Focus posted your top five rookies. Now we're going to talk about some rookies tonight. Do you want to cover that top five real quick and uh, let me and uh, let me in Dallas hit you with a couple of curveballs? Yeah, let me, uh, man, I've been doing so many rookie, so much rookie content over the past couple of weeks. And it's like almost escaping me what they, what the ranks are. So uh, let me pull them off real quick. All right. So we've got Najee Harris, number one, Javante Williams, number two, Travis Etienne, three, Jamar Chase, number four, and Jalen Waddle at number five. All right. So, so I just wanted to talk about the one. I want to talk about Javante Williams at number two. You are now at least the third person that I keep very highly on my go-to list of people who have had him second and other people, uh, including our own Matty Big Chest, our graphics guy and the host of Dynasty by Design. He's got him second. Dallas, where do you have Williams compared to Travis Etienne? Williams is also ahead of Etienne in my rankings as well. He's my number three running back. Wow. Well, we'll check that out. So, so why do you like Javonta so much? Is it because he's a big guy? Has he got them AJ Dillon quads? Is that it? I mean, I'm always a sucker for the dude with the big quads for sure. But with Javonta Williams in specific, specifically, the thing that really stands out about him from the metrics that you look at is his broken tackle rate. And what it reminds me a lot of was last year with Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson, you know, something that I would always tell people or talk about on podcasts was the fact that basically on a ter, ter you know, on a per touch basis, he was forcing a missed tackle. You know, it was like almost like 50% of his touches, he was forcing a missed tackle. But the, the knock on Gibson coming out was, oh, well, he only touched the ball like, you know, 30 or 40 times last year. You know, he didn't touch the ball a lot. You know, that's not the case with Javante Williams. Javante Williams was basically breaking the same rate amount of tackles as Antonio Gibson was last year, except he was actually seeing, you know, 180 plus touches all of last season. So I think that carries over. We see that carry over. And that's really why one of the reasons why I'm high high on Javante Williams. And and would you say that my projection of Javante Williams going somewhere in round two is a fair projection? Yeah, I think that makes the, a lot of, of sense. Of the actual draft, not, yeah. not of like your rookie drafts, obviously, but like of the NFL draft. He feels like a day two guy, and it feels like if he goes to Atlanta in the top of round two, like uh, Jonathan Taylor did the Colts last year, or if he goes to like Seattle in round two, as they're not expected to re-sign Chris Carson, I, I, I think he could push for even higher on, on some rookie lists if, if he wound up in like one of those primo. He feels like a stealer. What do you what do you think, Dallas? I see you nodding your head in agreement. Does does he feel like a like a Pittsburgh Steeler to you? You know, contrary to uh, popular opinion, I guess is how I would say he does feel like a Steeler, but I really don't think he's going to end up landing there. I just have a really strong feeling that it's going to be either the Jets or Miami. I think with Sala coming in to New York, 
He wants that physicality and to set the tone. There's no true running back in that backfield right now. So if he doesn't go at the tail end of the first round, or maybe they get a little bit spry and even trade up into the first round again to grab him, I think the furthest he falls is the third pick in the second round to either the Jets or the Miami Dolphins. Wow, that 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 would be strapping a rocket ship to his back. All right, last question for our guest before we, we hit him with the five questions we were actually going to tell him we were going <laughs> to ask tonight. So uh, I'm, I'm did, so unprepared for these surprise uh, questions. Uh, well, see, that that's the whole thing. We, we, we know where you work, my friend. We know you're always prepared to talk the game of football. Uh, how would Javonta Williams fit in that Shanahan blocking scheme that the Jets are at least – under my opinion, they brought in one of the mini LaFleur brothers. They're dominating the NFL at this point. They're like the uh, like the genetic clone of Sean McVay. They're popping up everywhere. How would Williams look in a in a McVay, not a McVay, I guess it's a McVay via Shanahan offense in that like uh, that running scheme? I think that he fit in pretty well. We've seen a lot of success with the running backs. You hit the hole, you make explosive plays, you get beat, you get beat up you know, pretty quickly. <laughs> That's all the running backs. It seems like no 49ers running back can survive a full season because of the way that the offense works. But Hey, Javante Williams has been able to guy that can break tackles and that's what he's going to have to embrace. It's going to be him. It's going to be Debo Samuel running the football. Basically, you know, the 49ers, you know, air show with Brandon Ayuk. but I, I still think that Javante Williams, yeah, he would definitely fit well in that system for sure. All right. Well, that is, uh, that, that's what I wanted to know. Um, the, the the Shanahan offense is is popping up everywhere. It's uh, it's it's the next big thing. And you know, and I, I love the 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 comment about injury. You're right because Green Bay runs it, the uh, Rams run it, the 49ers run it, and all of those teams have had multiple <laughs> running back injuries over the last couple of years. So that's that's kind of funny. So here's the thing. So Andrew was kind enough to be our guest tonight. We're trying to keep this rookie rundown show. Somewhere in the neighborhood of a half an hour. So what we're going to do, we're going to call it five good questions. And some of these questions have questions within the questions because I write the show sheet and I can do what I can do what I want. But but Andrew was kind enough to be our guinea pig for tonight's show. So the first question we're going to be asking Andrew and most of our guests going forward is give us the rookie that you personally will not leave your rookie drafts without. And uh, where do you think he'll go in rookie drafts versus where you'll get him? So for me, when I first got this question, I immediately just went with my gut with the first name that kind of popped in my mind, and that was Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver from Minnesota, just because he checks off all the boxes that I'm looking for in a wide receiver prospect. He has an early breakout age. He was an absolute mega producer at the college level. He produced in an offense that produced NFL talent, so he played alongside Tyler Johnson, who we all saw play in the Super Bowl. Um, so he's just been a guy that has been able to produce at a really high level. And that's something I take into consideration and the way that his draft stock is kind of shaping up to be, you know, looking at average draft position, he's kind of looking like he's going at, you know, wide receiver six or seven. So we can get him probably at the end of the first round of rookie drafts. It seems like with, when you factor in the running backs and some of the other wide receivers, because you know, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, those guys are all going to probably go ahead of Bateman, especially because Bateman in the real NFL draft is teetering towards like the second round is, is really more what I'm kind of hearing from actual, you know, real NFL mock drafts to try to pay attention to. So Rashad Bateman to me really sticks out just because I just, all the things I kind of listed out, you know, I just really like what he's done at the college level so far. And we've seen guys like the, like 
Rashad Bateman fall into the second round of the real draft. And it kind of reminds you of like AJ Brown. You know, he was a second round pick, you know, top of the second round T Higgins last year, you know, top of the second round. And these guys just absolutely were on fire. You know, the minute that they got onto the NFL field and that's what you get from Rashad Bateman, six foot two, two, 210 pounds. He has a prototypical size for an alpha wide receiver. And one of the biggest thing we look at at PFF is we can separate the slot from outside in the perimeter because when you're playing in the slot, you know, it's way easier to get open. You don't have press coverage to worry about all that stuff. The thing with Bateman is he's been able to win outside as a true sophomore. He led the league or he led college in yards per route run. So from the, from the perimeter, which is just a really great indication that I'm not concerned about, Oh, can he win on the outside? Really? The only thing that he can't do, he's not a super dynamic athlete, but that hasn't stopped him so far. And I mean, he's had a case of the drops, but that's not something I'm too concerned about. So for me, it's, it's Rashad Bateman. That's awesome. Dallas, what do you got on Bateman? I saw you nodding your head. The minute he said Rashad Bateman, you, you gave it like a little wry smile and you started nodding your head. What, what are your thoughts on Bateman? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Honestly, Bateman for me is my wide receiver two in the class. I am never going to dethrone Jamar Chase just because he can do things that no one else in this class can. When you see him on tape, it's just freaky. I think if he played this year, we would all be talking about one of the best prospects we've seen in a very, very long time. But for Bateman, he is smooth with everything that he does. And I know it's a very popular comp that gets talked about, but he reminds me so much of Allen Robinson. He is not a sexy guy. He doesn't have these flashy traits that everyone likes to reach up for in both the actual NFL draft as well as in fantasy football rookie drafts. But Bateman is, like you said, with A.J. Brown. The reason A.J. Brown didn't get picked before some of the other wide receivers like D.K. Metcalf, the Marquise Brown, stuff like that, when it happens is because they're not sexy from a physical standpoint. And so when I see a guy like Bateman that has no true flaws in his game, he's going to go into a system. It doesn't even matter where he goes, and he's going to succeed as a rookie where you may not get that type of production from some of the other wide receivers. So I couldn't agree with you more. Well, that's good. I had him as my wide receiver four. And I know it will be considered blasphemy to some, but I'm debating between moving him up to three. Right now, I have him and Javonta Smith, three and four in my personal rankings. I'm a big Waddle guy, the more that I hear comparisons. The comparison I heard with Waddle, not to go down a Waddle rabbit hole, but I heard comparisons. He was mocked, so not mocked, but compared more between like a Tyreek Hill and a T.Y. Hilton. I'm like, I can live with that. If you could middle... You know, to use a gambling term, if you could middle T.Y. Hilton and Tyreek Hill, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I think T.Y. Hilton land, led the league in rushing, I'm not rushing, receiving one year. Obviously, we know what a stud Tyreek Hill is, so I, I would be totally fine with that. So, for me, Rashad Bateman, I, I would love to see him land in a in, in a spot. I don't know. I feel like New England really needs. Yes. New England. Please. No, no, no. For those, those, those that, are, that are not familiar with, with Andrew, shame on you. He is a Massachusetts resident and New England is very devoid of skill position players. They, they got to get their quarterback dialed in first, but I would love to see him in, in an offense where, um, he's got a, like, I, I know they can't afford him. They don't have the picks to get him. I would also love to see him with like a Matthew Stafford. Just a guy who's got a little bit of that YOLO to him. He's just going to put the ball, even Russ. But we'll see where he winds up. For me, I could easily see, you know, depending on landing spot with everyone not named Jamar Chase, I could easily see me putting Bateman as high as number two. 
certainly love the pick. So we, 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 we are in agreement on Bateman. The, the next rookie question is this. Give us the rookie that you will not, you will not be leaving your drafts with because you feel like he's going to go too high in rookie drafts. And give us a, a couple of uh, reasons why you would not consider this particular rookie. It's never fun to talk about the rookies that you don't want to draft because you're going to hurt someone's feelings. Yeah, you're going to hurt someone's feelings because there's truth is out there for everybody and totally get it. But we always have costs. So I don't hate the players. I hate, you know, their ADP is the common phrase that we all throw out there. So we'll talk about the guy here in specific is Kadarius Tony for me um, from Florida. And with him, the reason is he doesn't really check off any of the boxes that I'm looking for. So he was a player that really didn't produce until his senior year. Um, That also had to do with the fact that he dealt with a lot of injuries at Florida, but at the same time, you know, what I look at when I calculate, you know, a dominator rating is Tony when he was actually playing in games. So I wasn't just factoring just all the games play. It was like when he's on the field, you know, what was he doing? And it actually came to my attention that, you know, not this past year where he kind of actually finally broke out, but the year before when he was playing alongside guys like LaMichael Pirine, again, LaMichael Pirine, the running back, and Van Jefferson, you know, he was actually producing less receiving numbers than those guys. You know, LaMichael Pirine plays running back, and he was outproducing Kadarius Tony at the wide receiver position while he was playing running back. So to me, those are just big red flags from a guy that is now generating first round hype. You know, because of the fact that he's, oh, like this guy, like he's got the yak ability, the highlight reel plays, you know, he juked that guy out at the senior bowl. That's what we're seeing a lot of. And he's the traits guy. Like he's the complete opposite of Bateman where it's not the traits guy. You know, Kadarius Tony is the sexy guy, but really hasn't been able to translate it to production on the field until this past year. So for me, he's going to go into the first round because the team's going to fall in love with him in the real NFL draft. And that's going to skyrocket him up rookie rank, rookie ranks because people are going to see, oh, Draft capital, first round, got to draft Kadarius Tony, And for that reason, I think I'm probably going to end up being out on him. If he was going later, you know, if he was going to be a, maybe a mid-second round pick, maybe even a third round pick in rookie drafts, then I would be more interested in taking a shot on him. But I think the cost is going to outweigh what he's done so far. And I just think it's going to be too expensive for me uh, to really be in on him. Dallas, you got anything on Kadarius Tony? Because for me, this guy has come like out of nowhere. It's like, I don't, I'll just be the first. That's why I love having, you know, friends like Andrew on Twitter and, and so many of the people that we talk with because they keep me educated on, on college football and these guys. But it feels like in the last three to four weeks, Kadarius Tony has got a jetpack strapped to his back and he is rocketing up both Dynasty and NFL draft boards. I, I find that odd, but I'll throw it to Dallas. Dallas, what do you know about Kadarius Tony and are you in agreement here? Yeah, I couldn't agree more again. I know it sounds kind of redundant here when I keep agreeing with you. But uh, for me, Kadarius Tony went through the same just completely mind-boggling meteoric rise that Kyle Trask went through this year. It was a recency bias type of thing. So like you said, he didn't produce the last couple of years at college. All of a sudden, when the offense finally finds its footing in Florida, you see Pitts absolutely explode. Trask look okay, I guess. And then Tony be the beneficiary of everything that didn't go to pits. 
yeah, of course he's going to look good. But for me, everyone talks about his juking ability, his elusiveness. Every time I watch him, he doesn't look fast. I don't think he's going to run fast as everyone thinks he is. So these comps of, oh, get him to KC so you can have two Tyreek Hills on the field, that type of shiftiness, that's not going to happen. I think what's going to happen at the next level is he's going to be running that 4-6 speed, try to do the shifty stuff that he does in college, and people are just going to light him up when he's trying to get shifty. So I couldn't agree more. I'm not a huge Kadarius Tony fan. If I'm taking a slot shifty wide receiver, give me Elijah Moore all day. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I agree. It 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 feels like he he is perfectly poised. I I know I like the landing spot, but I don't like the draft spot. I've seen him mocked a lot to the Washington football team at nineteen overall, and I that that's a head scratcher for me. That that's a, I mean that that's a real real head scratcher. I mean, I, yeah, give me Baton in Washington if you're going to yeah, give any of the wide receivers if, if the Patriots, to Washington. Give me Baton if the Patriots drafted Tony. At 15, instead of Rashad <laughs> Bateman, I would, I would lose my freaking mind. I would just, oh my God. that would. And first of all, everyone would know, because at that point, if Tony gets drafted by the Patriots, everyone would be like, well, he's done, like tanking him, like no receiver ever drafted by Belichick ever pans out, and then, he, and then he'll become a value because no one will want to draft him. But yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, that's that's my nightmares for sure. The, the, there's the worst of the best case scenarios I've, I've ever heard. All right, so so the next question we're going to ask this man is, uh, who is the most overrated rookie in this class? Maybe it's one and the same, or maybe it's someone else. When you're starting to just, maybe it could be a first-round guy. Maybe it could be the top of the class. Who is becoming the most overrated rookie in this class? And I, I'm hoping you're not going to say Trevor Lawrence. No, I'm not going to say Trevor Lawrence right now. And, and someone that I wanted to just kind of touch on real quick was just, you know, I know you mentioned him, uh, Dallas is Kyle Pitts. Just the fact that it's really hard for me to evaluate him as overrated from a football standpoint, because the guy is just amazing. Uh, there's really nothing you could say about him as a talent. You know, he's not good. Like he's a really great tight end prospect for sure. Like he is as good as wide receivers. He was one of PFS highest graded players overall. He was one of PFF's best graded receivers overall, and that's at the tight end position. So I can't come on here and say, yeah, well, you know, he doesn't do this. Well, I mean, he does he does it all pretty much. But the fact of the matter is he's really expensive. And I, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to have the, the draft capital to wanting to pay up for him a tight end, a rookie tight end, to, you know, with a, a fourth overall rookie pick. Like, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to do that when there's other running back positions available, there's other receivers available. So that's just one name I wanted to mention as potentially like overrated. Um, but at the receiver position, I wanted to bring up the guy that I kind of think is a little bit overrated and it's Amara, Amara St. Brown. And he's interesting because he checks off the box in terms of, you know, early breakout. Like he came on to USC, broke out as a freshman was, was super impressive, you know, at 19 years old, and he was competing with Michael Pittman Jr. So, again, that's a guy that's in the NFL. It was a second-round pick and, you know, flashed, obviously, in his first year as a rookie. And that's good to, to see that a player at a young age is able to produce alongside an NFL-talented player. But the thing is with St. Brown is that was kind of the peak of his college career. You know, he was really good as a freshman, and he never really took that next step. And even last year, when he had the chance to really be the guy, yes, he did dominate in terms of, you know, dominator rating, in terms of yardage, in terms of touchdowns, but he never really took that next step. You know, he was playing in the slot a lot of the time. The first two seasons he was at USC, they moved him outside, and he wasn't nearly as good. He wasn't as efficient on the outside, and that has me concerned that, okay, is he going to be able to beat 
you know, outside corners at the next level. Okay. And we don't see a lot of press in college regardless, but the fact of the matter is he was way better in the slot versus outside. And I look at his kind of profile. He's an X receiver. Like he's not going to be necessarily pigeonholed. Okay. We need to get this guy in the slot. You know, we need everybody can't play in the slot. <laughs> like it's just a matter of time. We need guys to be able to play on the outside. And I'm not sure Amara St. Brown has that in him. Um, to really be an effective receiver again, you know, his freshman season, his PFF grade was 76.0, which was his highest grade of his career. Like he never got to plus 80, never got to plus 90. Whereas all the receivers in this class, like that's where they are. They're at 90 plus at PFF grades. So again, the grading is not a be all, you know, projective system, but to see him so separated from the rest of the class, when, you know, you see all these explosive players, St. Brown just doesn't really do that to me. He's not an ex- as explosive as a ton of other players in this class. So for me, I'm looking at his ADP and I see him and Tylon Wallace basically going in the same spot. And for me, it's an easy pick to go with Wallace. You know, they have the same size and speed, but for me, I'm going to go with the production with, with Wallace and what he's done so far. All right. I'm going to hit you with two questions before I throw it to Dallas to hit you with some questions on St. Brown as well. Uh, actually, three questions. Is there a better family name tree of like Equinemius and Amon Ra St. Brown? They're both the son of a former bodybuilder. And uh, I, I like what, what you said. A couple of things, and they, they pair together. It, is the role of the X receiver in the NFL changing from what it was, even say in the Des Bryant days? You know, it, it just feels like every everybody has to have that slot component in 2021. It feels like if you can't play all three wide receiver positions, it just feels like it lowers your stock across the board for the NFL and for Dynasty. Are you noticing anything like that? Because I feel like everybody, like we've talked about, with maybe the exception of Bateman this year, everybody has some sort of a slot, play a little outside, a little bit of everything. Do they have to be more versatile in 2021? It makes it a lot easier to have them fit in offenses. And I think that it makes a lot of sense. You, you want your players to play in the slot to an extent because you get free releases. So it works especially well with some of these smaller players. Like you look at a guy like Tutu Atwell, you know, that dude is really small. Like he's like built like Tavon Austin, but if he's running free releases from the slot with his speed that you could, he could run like a four, two or four, two, five or whatever. Like that's going to take an advantage, but if they put him on the outside where he's now up against a you know six two cornerback that's just going to you know peg him down with his long arms, then that basically neutralizes you know the guy's speed. So and especially now with the rules where guys can run from the slot, they can run over the middle of the field. They don't, you can't get hit. So it's way different than you know the Wes Welker days where the guy had like twelve concussions because he's guarding over the middle of the field. That's not the, that's not the case anymore. So these smaller players can run confidently across the field and usually it's just easier for them to get open, you know, running from the slot. Yeah. All right, Dallas. I, any, 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 I mean, here's the thing. It, it makes better radio when we can like bring on a guest and argue with them. But, but I think, I think <laughs> we're in agreement. Um, da- Dallas, do you want to argue with him on, you know, do you, do you want to take the, the, the contrarian point? We can, we can pretend like we're like first take and fabricate an <laughs> argument that really doesn't exist that we don't feel that way. We can do that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we can actually talk about it. It's funny that we brought up Amon Ross St. Brown tonight. I was actually listening to The Podfather with Ray GQ. There was an episode that they were both talking through a bevy of prospects. And then when they got to Amon Ross St. Brown, they both basically pegged him. uh, I don't want to paraphrase or incorrectly quote this, but I believe the phrase was the most technically sound wide receiver 
that's coming out in this class is how they say it, from a standpoint of his route running, his ability to separate that type of thing, as opposed to any contested catch it or raw speed type of aspects that you'll see from certain wide receivers. Do you have a take on that? Do you have a specific mindset when you see what type of player he truly is other than just a slot receiver? So I think that he could be, you know, an all around, you know, well-rounded receiver and that's okay. But in terms of in fantasy football, is that a difference maker for me? I, I don't think that it is. He's not someone that he's not a burner. He's not really been used as a deep threat. So I, I'm looking for where's the upside with, with Amasai Brown. I know he doesn't stretch, but you know, where's the upside here with, with St. Brown Again, if he's going to be on the outside, you know, is he going to be able to make big plays on the outside? Are they going to have to move him to the slot? Is he going to have to get, you know, bubble screens and things like that? I just have a lot of question marks with him. And again, I, I bring it back to, you know, what his draft cost is. You know, he's ranked, his DLF ADP is around wide receiver eight. You know, I have him at wide receiver 12, in my ranking. So again, it, it's also a cost thing. If he, you know, falls to outside the top 15 receivers, okay, I'm in. Like, I, I'll be back in on him again. It, it is so cost sensitive with some of these guys, but. For me, he's right. His range of being drafted is right around, like I mentioned before, is Tylon Wallace. So if I'm going to pick one of those guys, I'm going to pick Wallace, who has a similar breakout age, has more production at the college level, and has shown that he can win on the outside, you know, consistently all the time, win downfield. And he's wide receiver seven in terms of uh, DLF ADP. So for me, I see them very similarly in terms of where they're going, and I'm going to just choose Wallace. So this may be a little bit late. Okay. You want to go? Sorry. Go Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. This may be a little bit lazy of a comp just because they went to the same school, but from an athletic standpoint and from everything he brings to the game, do you see Juju at all with Amon Ross St. Brown? I need to retire from any USC comps because (laughs) when I was very early in my fantasy football career, again, when I was very early, I remember like specifically in my mind thinking, oh, well, Juju can't do anything because he went to USC and Nelson Aguilar, he sucked. And like just so early on, I was like, oh, dude, what was I doing? But no, I've grown from that, obviously. PF, don't tell PFF that I ever said that. But I did at one point think, I don't know if I actually wrote about it or anything like that, but that was something that, you know, on an early age, that's you think about stupid stuff. But I get, I wouldn't say that, no, because... No, I, I don't. I don't see really a comp between the two. Comps are tough, honestly, but I don't necessarily see it between Amon Ross St. Brown and, and Juju. I, I've never been a big comp guy. What what I'm hearing is, and, and, and I like this because I'm starting to hear the name St. Brown a lot, and that he's the quote unquote better St. Brown. What I'm hearing you say, and I've heard others say this, is it feels like he's good at a lot of things. He's not bad at anything, but what I'm not hearing is he's great at anything. He's yeah. not great. He. I don't want to go as far as to call him just a dude. That's not fair. But I don't. I don't feel like we're getting anything special versus the acquisition costs in our rookie draft. So I'm. I'm going to check that box as overrated as well. All right, we have two more questions left. This no. This is where it gets fun. These next two questions are fun. You get to make a lot of people happy. So that's always good. It's go, what they teach you to do here in the radio biz. You go out on a high note. So we have two good high note questions for you. Who is the most underrated? rookie in this class and uh tell us why you think they're underrated versus maybe what consensus is telling us yeah i know dallas had mentioned him when we were talking about Kadarius tony but the slot receiver that everybody should want is elijah moore from old miss five foot 11 184 pounds junior 
he's just not getting enough buzz. Uh, like I don't, I don't really get it. And, and I guess maybe I'm at fault. You know, when I did my first top five wide receivers, you know, more wasn't a guy I was looking at really at all. But then when I started looking at just the whole class as a whole, after I, I kind of went in knowing the top, you know, the top main guys, the Alabama guys, Chase, obviously, uh, Bateman and more were my top five. And then after that, it was like, okay, like I kind of have a drop off. Like, who's coming in next. And, and really the only guy that, you know, I would almost put in the same tier with those other five receivers for me was Elijah Moore. And I mean, I was just like amazed to see the statistics that he was putting up at Ole Miss and the fact that, you know, he took over that offense. You know, he was the guy after Metcalf and AJ Brown left. So of course he's not going to do anything, you know, as a freshman because he's playing with two of now, like, I mean, they're two of my top five ranked receivers in dynasty football, <laughs> like DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. So this guy was playing with both those guys. And, you know, he did put up some numbers as a freshman, nothing spectacular, but what are you going to expect when he's playing against, you know, or with those types of players. But in terms of his, you know, PFF grade and yards per route run, especially from the slot, you know, they were in comparison with Justin Jefferson, you know, his last year in college, 97.7 PFF grade from the slot was Elijah Moore, exact same grade for Justin Jefferson. We obviously saw how Justin Jefferson, and again, it was a similar competition too. Jefferson played in the SEC. So did Elijah Moore. So it's not like a competition thing. Elijah Moore, we talked about it. He can go deep. You know, he's a vertical threat receiver from the slot. So again, he doesn't necessarily fall victim to, okay, he's going to get jammed to the line of scrimmage. If a team uses him in the slot, it makes a lot of sense for him to see a lot of success. Again, PFF grade yards per route run. He ranks top three among all of the 2020 draft eligible receivers. So again, he's, he's up there with Devonte Smith, with Jamar Chase, with Waddle, all those guys. He's right there with them. And no one really seems to care because he's getting the slot only mantra where it's like knocking him down because, Oh, well he just plays a slot. So he's not that good or he can't do this and that, but I don't really see it that way. I, I think that he has so much upside and I think he's by far, you know, the clearest, you know, pure slot receiver um, in this class. You know, maybe, maybe I'm just like, it's like my own ego, but like when, when I invite guys like you last week, we had the good fortune of speaking with Shane Hallam of fake Pigskin and the Debbie marketplace. And like, when you guys tell us who, who you have, or I immediately go to my personal rankings and I'm like, Oh, where, where do I have them? Am I too low? Am I, I, I like, it's almost like I feel like I should adjust on the fly, but no, I, I have Elijah Moore as my 10th overall wide receiver in the class. And I, I may be too low on him. I may have to bump him up a little bit personally because what I do, because I trust guys like Andrew and I said, Shane, we had Shane and we have so many great guests coming at you the rest of, of, of rookie season. But I take like what I call, you know, the collective IQ. I like taking all these really smart guys like Andrew, like Shane, like Dallas, like Kane Fassell. I could go on and on and on. And I like to know what everybody thinks. And then I put them all like in a in a spreadsheet. That's where I get a little nerdy. And then I uh, I kick out my rankings at the end. Dallas, I, I know that when he mentioned Elijah Moore earlier, you smiled. And then this time you pointed at him. What are your takes on Elijah Moore? I love Elijah Moore. He's, he's in my top five right now. He's wide receiver five for me. I don't care if you're a slot receiver. I don't care if you're an outside big body wide receiver. I don't care if you're an all around jack of all trades can play everywhere. I want you to dominate at your position that you are good at. And that's what Elijah Moore does. He had six games this year with over a hundred yards. Three of those games were over 225 yards. The dude is a monster from the slot. He is an elite separator and he, 
that's with his route running not really being that great. Like he could still get better with making things a little bit more crisp and he's never going to be that big bodied guy. Like I said, he's not going to be a blocker. He's not going to fit in a place like Pittsburgh. They want you to block. Like he needs to go somewhere that's a little bit scheme specific. That'll get him the targets that he needs from the slot. But once he finds his role and his footing in an offense, he's going to be amazing. And I love the dude. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. That's why I pointed this time when he brought it up. <laughs> I just, ask a question. Go ahead. Go ahead, Andrew. I mean, the thing with Elijah Moore is just, I remember when I first really dove into his tape and dove into the numbers with him and I just got excited, man. My, I was just like, I was just like amped up. I was like, dude, this guy's like really good. Like why are not enough people talking about Elijah Moore? And I just, I'm just thrilled that, you know, we're starting to let people know about this guy and that, you know, Dallas is on him and, and he's, he's, he's just, he's just rocketing up your rankings. I, I love it. Well, I'm listening to you guys talk about it. I was like, why does this feel like he would be the perfect eventual replacement for Tyler Lockett in Seattle? You know, Tyler Lockett's right around 29-30. He's a costly. You know, Russell Wilson's wanting more weapons. It just it just feels like like a nice natural like bring him in, let him, you know, learn a year. I don't know. I, I just I li- I like to visually do my own drafting in my head as I, as I hear you geniuses Talk about these guys. All right, last one. Now, we call this one the James Robinson question. Now, because Andrew was nice enough to be the first guinea pig for these five questions, we are not expecting Andrew's answer to be the next James Robinson. No, you're not going to take a UDFA small school guy, and you're not going to get a, a running back that's going to give you like like well over like 1,300 or 1,400 all-purpose yards between rushing and receiving. What we're looking for is a, is a small school guy like James Robinson that come out of Southern Illinois. Man, give us a small school guy that's maybe under the radar that maybe because of a lack of com of a lack of a combine, lack of like major pro days, uh, that will maybe slip through some cracks that we need to keep on our radar. So maybe we can throw him on the back end of our of our rookie drafts as opposed to letting him, you know, be a UDFA in both the NFL and our rookie drafts. All right, so I've got two because you said the next James Robinson, so I wasn't sure if that had pigeonholed me to just, okay, it has to be a running back. I wasn't sure, so I threw it. I added a wide receiver in here too, so I got two. So first one running back is Elijah Mitchell um, from Louisiana, Raging Cajuns. Um, so in this class, something that I looked at when I was looking at all the running backs is looking at yards per scrimmage play and yards per snap. So I'm just really trying to get an idea. Okay, when this guy's on the field, like, what are they doing? Like, are they producing? How are they producing versus their peers? Because I just want to know. Because the raw numbers don't always tell the whole story because we have guys playing five games. We have guys playing 11 games. We have guys playing, like, no games. You know, somebody split backfields at college. It just It's all over the place. So I just want to look at the raw, you know, per snap, per yards per scrimmage. And Elijah Mitchell absolutely popped out in both those metrics. He was number one in yards per scrimmage play and second in yards per snap. So this guy, when he's been on the field, not even necessarily touching the ball, but when he's been on the field, he has been super productive. And when you kind of watch him play, he has a very obvious NFL skill set, combination of size, speed, explosiveness. Again, overall, not going to be the sexiest guy. Again, you know, coming from a smaller school, you know, you're never going to see a guy like this, you know, generate a ton of buzz, but he can be an NFL running back. You know, five foot 11, 218 pounds. He has the size. Louisiana is actually you know, put out some decent NFL talent. Um, Raymond Clayus was a guy that went there last season or he got some buzz. You know, he was, he was drafted by the Buccaneers in the seventh round. I believe he's with the Rams now. So again, he didn't fire, 
but he generated some buzz last year. They have a competitive backfield, Trey Raggis. Um, he's going to be draft eligible next year, so he's been pretty decent as well. And, and anytime you like look at any you know type of you know yards after contact per attempt, breakaway rate, elusive rating, you know you have you know the top guys, of course. You have Etn, you have Harris, but then kind of sliding in there every single time, you just see Elijah Mitchell. Like he's just kind of like hanging out, you know, at the bottom of each of those things. So I think that he's someone that really kind of caught my eye and really stood out to me when I was looking at some of the metrics. And then from the receiver position. My guy is Cade Johnson. So he is, he stems from South Dakota state, formerly school that Dallas, Dallas Goddard went to. And he didn't play last year because the South Dakota state football season was canceled. So it wasn't even a fact that Cade Johnson, you know, he opted out, you know, that wasn't his thing. It was basically the season got canceled because of COVID. And the only chance he really got to increase his draft stock was actually at the senior bowl. And he actually played really well at the senior bowl. He was one of the better receivers in terms of PFF grading in the one-on-one drills. And the dude just absolutely wins with speed. Like that's his name of the game. And I know you mentioned Tyler Lockett as a replacement in the PFF draft guide. Kade Johnson's comp is actually Tyler Lockett. So the last time he played was a redshirt sophomore season at 20 years old, 67 catches for 1300 yards and 17 touchdowns. And he posted a 45% dominator rating. So I keep track of all the dominator ratings for all of the receivers in this class. And that was like the second highest of in one single season was Cade Johnson. So when you play for a small school at the receiver position, you have to dominate Like you need to be the best player on the field. And that's what Cade Johnson showed me again. He's a, another slot guy, you know, a receiver that just is mostly playing in the slot, but super accelerator, super fast, super athletic. So he's my, my dart throw, I guess, at the receiver position. All right, I'm going to hit you with one last question, and then I'm going to turn it over to Dallas to wrap this thing up. So last question, best advice for Dynasty GMs during their rookie draft season? It could be during the draft itself. It could be in the the lead-up to the NFL draft. What is a a technique or something that you think would serve Dynasty GMs well between now and the minute they're on the clock? Number one is during the pro days this year, especially with the 40 times, don't double-count you know, speed tests. Don't double count things that, oh, well, this guy's fast. It's like, no, we knew he was fast already. So when Tutu Atwell runs a 4-3 or Kadarius Tony runs a 4-3 and he's rocketing up Scott, you know, he's, he's rocketing up the ranks because he ran. It's like, no, we knew he was already fast. Like, don't double count these types of counting metrics because it's going to end up hurting you in the long run. So that's one thing in terms of kind of like pre-draft prep. And then the second thing is with the rookie picks, the rookie picks are never more valuable than when you're on the clock. Like that's when you want to be, you know, feeling offers. That's when it's at its peak value because the people that are looking for that exact pick, they know who they can get with it. So if you are looking to make trades, like that's when you want to be doing it the most is when you're really on the clock. All right, Dallas, here's your opportunity. You want to ask this man a couple of questions before we get him out of here? Yes, I do. I have two quick questions regarding my guys is what I'll go ahead and call this section. Uh, So I am a staunch proponent of Michael Carter. And there is a lot of conversation with Javonta Williams. He's your second rated running back. He brings a different type of skill set than Michael Carter. And I get that. But from a statistical standpoint, from what I see on the field standpoint, I can't really differentiate which one I like better. I love Michael Carter. Is there a specific stat that you would tell me to look at with Javante Williams game that puts him above 
what we're going to see from both of them at the next level, that type of situation with Michael Carter and Javonta Williams, other than size. Other than size, yes. So that, that's the thing that's interesting with those two guys is because they shared a backfield and they're both kind of regarded in a similar light. I think that Javonta Williams obviously, or I believe that he'll be drafted first. So I think that ultimately people will chase the draft capital and that isn't necessarily a, a bad strategy in any way, shape or form, especially if Javante Williams is a second round pick and Michael Carter gets drafted in, you know, the fifth round or the fourth round, like that matters, you know, a day two pick versus a day three pick. I think that is a significant difference. Um, I guess the thing with him, I guess I would literally look more at, you know, explosiveness in terms of breakaway rate, you know, who is really breaking more tackles in I, I, I've also talked about it before was Javante Williams is really the guy that was doing more of that than Michael Carter. And I think Michael Carter is definitely interesting from a value standpoint, because again, it was really hard to parse out his statistics. When you're looking at Javante Williams, you're seeing Michael Carter as well. He's kind of popping up everywhere as well. So I, I think that ultimately he could actually end up being a bargain when it all comes, when it's all said and done in terms of the rookie drafts. But ultimately I, I think that the ceiling is still with Javante Williams. And again, we need these rookies to hit, you know, in dynasty, this is the window, you know, that first four years in the league, that's when these rookies really fire. And I just see the path for Javante Williams being a top tier fantasy running back is more in his range of outcomes than Michael Carter's is. Okay. That's fair enough. Secondary question, more of a short and sweet one than that one. We went running back. Now I'm going to go wide receiver. What is your opinion of Tamari and Terry? from FSU. He's really fast. <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah, that. He's, big too. <laughs> he's really fast, really big. I, I really haven't given dove into him too much. Really. He is interesting because and one of the reasons is he hasn't really popped up in a lot of the things I've looked at. So that's one thing that's kind of holding me back. I won't give too much on him yet. Cause I'm, I'm still kind of now evaluating him, but yeah, I, I heard he's really fast. We'll stay with that. Yeah, he's 6'4", and he came into the season jacked up at 220. There's talks <laughs> in circles right now that he's going to hit the combine at a DK Metcalf-esque 6'4", pushing 230 type of weight. And if he does that and runs a 4'3", people are going to lose their freaking mind again. <laughs> so I'm just going to tell everyone to look out for that. Well, I will say one thing about that is that you know there could be some value there depending on where the NFL sees him because this time last year – there were more cons than pros on Chase Claypool. And he was a big jacked up dude and he ran super fast. So if you can get him cheap, but I also know he's like 23 years old or something. So I know he's not super young. So that, that late entry into the draft is going to set him back. But I'll tell you what didn't set us back was this appearance by Andrew on the show. Andrew, what else is going on at, at PFF? I know you're over there keeping Collinsworth in line. I, I know it's a tough job. Someone <laughs> has to do it, man. Uh, what do you personally have going on? And uh, I tell you, I really have enjoyed the PFF podcast. I don't know why you're not hosting one as well spoken as you are and a great job as you've done. Tell Monson to scoot over, make it like a room for a third chair. And I'm going to suggest that I'm going to write a strongly worded letter, but what do you have going on at the PFF, man? No, I mean, if you do that, I would, I, I mean, I'm trying to lobby for my own podcast too. So you, you know, you comment on all of the, the podcasts you and leave review like, Hey, like, I love it. Let's get more Andrew on. Like that would be absolutely fantastic. So uh, listeners, if you want to hear more of me, that's all you got to do, you know, meet to the demands, the boss man's will, will make it happen. But 
Tons of great stuff going over, on, going over at PFF.com. I have new articles basically coming out every single day, whether it's Dynasty-related, doing best ball stuff, just all over the place. I, I got free range. I We have so much data at PFF that I try to leverage. I try to uncover all the goodness so that people can take away you know, things that they never thought of and things that are actionable. So you can read it and be like, all right, I'm going to go trade for this guy, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to start a best ball league. You know, all those types of things. There's so many ways to play fantasy football right now. It's just, it's, it's a great time to be in fantasy football for sure. Well, head over to PFF, man. Tell them Andrew Erickson. Make sure you add that Erickson because Andrew's like a somewhat common, common first name. So make sure to give my man a shout out. Tag at PFF and then make sure to let him know Andrew sent you. Uh, because if you're like, I love data. I, I have always loved data. It was a, uh, it was something I was required to do daily. I had a previous job. I had to look up comp numbers and this number and that number. And I love knowing how the numbers make things work. Uh, so head over to PFF. Check out my boy Andrew and uh, Dallas. Anything before we go in uh, for a landing? Nothing on my end. It was a pleasure having you, Andrew. Thanks for coming in. All right, guys. Well, listen, on behalf of Andrew and Dallas, my name is Memphis. And remember, here at the Dynasty War Zones, the Rookie Rundown, we're just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football. We'll see you back here next week with a new guest and five new questions. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Happy Monday. Hey, fellow Warzone listeners. My name is Zach Camps. Uh, I'm not golfing or slinging my hands a monster. I'm usually thinking about Dynasty Fantasy Football. A couple months back, I joined the Patreon just to take my dynasty passion to the next level. And I'll tell you what, well, let's just say there's writer downers for days in the Patreon. As a member, you get access to the bonus pod where the guys take the filter off and talk about a wide variety of topics that maybe they won't cover on the normal show. You also get access to Memphis and Jerry for one-on-one advice, personal dynasty dilemmas. They'll tackle them for you, help you out with it. You just don't get that anywhere else. But I'd say... My favorite part about the Patreon is the uh, the group chat. Tell you what, these guys are some excellent minds. Tons of fun. The fire in there is amazing. Great platform to post trade questions, debate rookie values, share insight, interact with some cool people from across the globe. You know, shout out to those guys in Australia. They're blowing my phone up all the time. You know, the best part is there's no Twitter trolls or Facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about. So uh, if you want to enjoy your dynasty experience even more win those championships pause the podcast right now sign up and you can thank me later in the group chat are you looking for a reminder of your fantasy football greatness are you looking for something to set your league apart from those dime a dozen jabroni leagues out there then head over to trophysmack.com and hook your league up with the best trophies in the game today And not only will you get the best trophies in the game today, you can get a free championship ring up to a $59.99 value by entering in the promo code DWZRING. You pick out your trophy, which one do you like? You put it in the cart, you add the ring to the cart, you add the promo code DWZRING, makes the ring free, and your league is now a step above the league down the street. So if you're looking for the best, you want to be the best in the game, you want to have the best league in town, go over to trophysmack.com, get that trophy, get that ring, use that code DWZ ring, and let's have a big season. Tell us a little bit about Hate Brand. When did that start and uh, how are things going with it? Things are good, man. Uh, that started in October of 2014. So now 
give or take seven years into doing whatever this thing is. And um, that's apparel company I started then and wanted to start making some clothes that I wanted to wear is really where it started. It start, and, uh, did it start more with you writing something first? Like, yeah, you, like yeah. uh, was it like an ebook or something that you put out or? Yeah, it's uh, it's a book. And then we made an ebook. So I wrote a book in 2010 of uh, how to train for the Highland games called training lab. And one of the sections I wrote about in the book is called the hate. And this was just this kind of personal philosophy I had that my brother and I had spoke about um, just with athletes that we admired. And it was these guys that just, you know, still on top, still, still willing to do the work to get better that it seemed their concern was always about them getting better to their standard and not about what had to do with anyone else. So they didn't hate other people. you see those guys get up in the morning on like 4 a.m. And it's, yo, that dude hates himself more than me. That guy's <laughs> willing to put in the work. He's willing to do it. And so from that point on, it was about like, I'm all right with getting beaten by someone better than me, but I'm not willing to be outworked. Do an analysis on is that draft analysis you're doing? No, I mean when I thought you say he could have been a bust. What does that mean? I, because I I thought he was a borderline starting running back, and he's put up some really good numbers this year. He has exceeded expectations. How many different plays did you watch on the all twenty two to assess that as a scout? I just looked at his yards per rush overall, and that he's above average. And in, in, and and a lot of times Pittsburgh runs the ball in obvious running situations, and he's still put up good numbers. Socrates once said, "You can write this down, Steve." A man who knows what he doesn't know, knows a lot. You do not know scouting. Please don't try to scout bus or anything like it. Fair enough. That's the danger of trying to be happy. And this is what the radio guys do. I'm not going to name any names. But this is what the radio guys do. Tell me if you can recognize this. Oh, his arm. Oh, you see his mobility in the pocket. What they do is they pick up a few phrases. A few of these kind of scout phrases. If it was NBA, it'd be wingspan. Hmm. And they sprinkle them in, and it's like a little infection. It's like an infestation of termites in their brain. Because what happens is you stop knowing what you know. And you start thinking, maybe I should scout this. You know what I think? The time I do the worst in anything is when I try to adopt something, and I'm not ready for it yet. I just know it an inch deep. I start interspersing it into what I typically do. Oh, that's dangerous. So I don't want to hear. If you want to go to scouting school, and this is what I always tell all the wannabe scouts, right? Call up your local NFL team. I'm talking about these national radio guys, local, whatever. Call If you were a former scout, I trust you, all right? You got it. But if you're not, call up the local team and say, I want to scout for you pro bono. All I need is access to the facility. I'm going to show. And obviously, if it's going to be some video thing on Twitter, maybe they let a big name in there. Give them another name. Just say you're Jim Smith from uh, KK or uh, KLM in, in Los Angeles or whatever. I don't even know if that's a station. <laughs> I'm just making up numbers or letters. And see if they let you in. You know what? They will, they'll hang up on you because they've got people that actually been in football 30 years doing this. But somehow these people go, come on air and they start talking about being a scout because they're talking arm strength and mobility. You don't know. I promise you, you don't know.